Aids Vince Murata Newsmakers Week 2024 continues on Tuesday. We'll cover a lot of ground. U of A football, ASU football, Phoenix Mercury, Phoenix Open, Phoenix Rising FC, and Cactus League. I told you we're covering a lot starting at 6 here on Arizona Sports. Uh, just keep getting better, keep trusting each other, and building the chemistry. Uh, it's our first real year together. We just made some trades at the deadline, so getting the new guys acquainted, and so far, so good. So that was, I'm uh, happy with where we're at. That was Devin Booker. Sorry, Dev. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Devin Booker, after the All-Star game on the goals for the second half of the Phoenix Suns, the, the I keep calling it the second half. There's only 27 I games know. left in the I season. We, just, we always kind of like, like it, it, it's the second right? half. It's the second there half. There was a break. <laughs> so now the second half. Thoughts. We were on a break. A break. Yes. We were on a break, and now we're not anymore. And there's 27 games left. Um, we still have a couple of days, and we'll continue to do this over the next couple of days to really look into these final 27 games. But the All Star break is over. I saw a picture of Devin Booker today. I think he's in Cabo or some Mexican resort city, right? Is Cabo? Yeah. I, I saw Lucas down there too. Jay Kids down there. There's a whole bunch of guys down there in Cabo hanging out. They went out for to Cabo? A of they did. Yeah. I don't know if they went. So when the game ended, was the game ended Sunday, Sunday night. They probably they play tomorrow. Oh no, wait, they no, play Thursday. 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 They probably got to be back Wednesday. So they probably took a private jet. Got there Sunday night. Cabo late Sunday night. Got Monday, Tuesday. Monday, Tuesday. Come back Wednesday first thing in the morning. Probably. So you get two days in Cabo. Two days in two Cabo. days in Cabo to rest on the beach. What can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No. Oh, no. Lauren's like, no. Don't say that. What can go wrong? Everything. Everything can go wrong. Are you um, guys, are you are you too old enough to remember the banana boat? You guys are? You don't remember the banana boat? That was so funny. Chris Paul, LeBron. Chris Paul, LeBron Mello, James, Carmelo. All riding a banana boat. All riding boat. a banana boat in the Bahamas or something. <laughs> Jamaica, the Bahamas. Well, Cabo. Was, I bet Cabo's really popular because it's probably a quick and easy flight. Not that hard to get down there. You're on the beach. The weather's fantastic. Um, As far as the second half of the season goes, we mentioned it earlier. We'll mention it again. There's a lot to look at with this team right now. Uh, And on AZ Central, Dwayne Rankin kind of did a really good job of looking at it kind of piece by piece. And like I say, we'll be doing a lot of this. Obviously, thing number one is the return of Bradley Beal. Uh, And Dwayne reported today that uh, or yesterday that Beal did have a nasal procedure over the weekend um, and that he should be good to go when the season starts on Thursday. Good to go to play from the nasal injury, from kind of the resetting of the nose, and the hamstring injury, which he suffered right before the All-Star break as well. Should be good to go for Dallas on Thursday. Yep, that he should be good to go. Now you'll face a Dallas team that's red hot right now. They've won six in a row. So they went from 27-23 and to 32-23. and They beat Philly. They beat Brooklyn. They beat the Knicks. They beat Oklahoma City. And then they beat Washington and San Antonio. So you'll open up with the Mavericks. And they got some size now. They got size by adding P.J. Washington and Gafford. I'm very, I'm actually really excited to see this game because of the size that Dallas has added to their roster. So, But there's a lot of other things going on. You'll get Thaddeus Young in. You mentioned the Beal thing. And you know, in that column by, by Dwayne, he talked about the fourth quarter woes, something that hopefully they could start to fix in this second half of the season. Yeah, and we this is something we talked about a little bit last week if you weren't listening to the show. Like the fourth quarter woes, I think you and I mostly agreed that while I wouldn't say the fourth quarter woes are fixed, the fourth quarter woes are better. better. It's gotten better the last few weeks. I think the thing that you and I both want to see fixed 
are the turnovers. Now, you could say the turnovers in the fourth quarter woes go hand in hand because a lot of time the turnovers happen in the fourth quarter and it leads to the fourth quarter woes. So maybe they're, they're, it's the two sides of the same coin that we're arguing about. I think for them to get better in the fourth quarter, they have to get better with handling the basketball in the fourth quarter. And if they do that, their fourth quarter woes will get fixed. And they have a long way to go still to be the elite team in the fourth quarter that we want them to be, right? So question that you want to see them in the clutch minutes especially. And you could say fourth quarter, but I also say the last five minutes of a game. But there's a lot of games in the NBA are won or lost in the last five minutes. Look, if they could have done what they should have done in the fourth quarter of a lot of these games, you wouldn't have the heavy minutes on Durant and Booker and 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 the guys, Grayson Allen. You wouldn't have the heavy minutes that these guys have logged so far this season. But they have been a really hard time putting teams away. They've allowed a lot of teams to come back on them in the fourth quarter when they had big double-digit leads. So I want to see that kind of strength uh, straightened out. I want to see them kind of bury some teams the way they're supposed to. But I also want to see in those close games them take take charge and win the, the last five minutes the way they should. I didn't send you the story today. I, I didn't have time, I, but I saw this story and I thought this fits in real well with our conversation here. Uh, our friends over Bright Side of the Sun looked at the offensive and defensive ranks and the net rating by quarter or by, by first half, second half, first quarter, second quarter, things like that yeah. for the Suns. It's glaring. Net rank in the first quarter, they're 10th in the NBA. Second quarter, they're second. Third quarter, they're second. Fourth quarter. 24th. Dead last. Dead last. 30th. Dead Dead last in the NBA. Yeah. Dead last in net rank. We've talked about a lot of different things. Now, you mentioned a turnover, so I'll let you hit on that when we talk about it in a second. But I've always wondered if it's just a fatigue factor because there are some older players and you're wearing a lot of minutes on these guys. I've just wondered if they just get so fatigued in that fourth quarter that they kind of struggle when the game's coming to an end. Yeah, and this is going to be, you know, some of these games, it's going to be time for them to kind of fine-tune this a little bit. I know people hear turnovers and they get triggered and they automatically think, well, you don't have a point guard out there. What do you expect to have happen? Well, I, I, I think they're able to play very well quarters one through three without one. I don't know why it should make that much of a difference in the fourth. I know the fatigue thing, and I'm not dismissing it. I think that's potentially a very real factor here with having to play all those guys all those minutes. That being said, you're, at some point, you're going to have to kind of settle in on your playoff-style rotation, and that might mean heavier minutes for these guys in the fourth quarter because you're kind of ramping them up and getting them ready. For, I don't know how many more minutes these guys could play. They already play as so many as it is. But, yeah, improving the fourth quarter, improving how careless you are with the basketball in the fourth quarter, I think is the first issue that has to be addressed in these games. And then the other thing, too— Do you think that's who they are because they don't have a true point guard? No, I think that it's— That's just who they are. They're going to turn the ball over a lot, but they'll make up for it with their offensive efficiency. I think it's who they are because they get content too quickly when they have a lead in the fourth quarter. I would buy that. I don't know if it's the fatigue as much as it is. Hey, we're good. We got this. We're fine. It's like Mikhail Bridges when they're up to nothing on Milwaukee. <laughs> don't even talk about getting triggered. We don't even this. remind me. Yeah, we, we got, got this. this. It's the East. It's the East. They're fine. They play in the East. We got any good players? The we, 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 Come on. We got this. They don't, these things done. The, the other thing about the quote-unquote second half of the season, and it starts with the Mavs game, but then it really kicks into gear like two weeks later. The schedule, we've talked about it many, many times, it is going to test this team. Now, I can't wait for that. 
I'm looking forward to them getting tested. There were some comments by Kenny Smith over the weekend that we're going to talk about mm, in a little bit. Yeah. In which he talks about an incomplete grade. Yes. I'll save some of my comments about the, the second half schedule for that segment because I, I think it applies there. But the schedule is brutal these last 27 games of the season. Just brutal. Yeah. I, 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 it is going to be a lot of games are going to be great gauges for whether this team can win it all or not. Yeah. A no, lot of games. No doubt. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, the Arizona Diamondbacks, so much talk about their stadium and renovations to Chase Field and the comments made by Ken Kendrick. What about the baseball team? Because from where we sit, the baseball team and the roster, it looks just about done with the last move that was made over the weekend. And we'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo show. It's Wolf. Are the young players on the Arizona Diamondbacks roster seeing firsthand how much the World Series run helped their confidence? We get going tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. There's the 1-1. is blasted out towards left field. That is high and deep, and it is out of here. It is the 11th home run of the season for Gritchick, and the game is tied at 1. Randall Gritchick is the newest and maybe last significant member of the Arizona Diamondbacks roster. I don't know that for a fact, but looking at the roster, looking at the composition, and Mike Hazen even said kind of over the weekend, hey, maybe a little more depth, maybe another bullpen arm or two to give us some insurance, but it seems like most of the heavy lifting is done when it comes to the positional players for the Arizona Diamondbacks with Gritchick. And this was a very inexpensive signing, so this was the most of the heavy lifting had been done after they signed Jock Peterson. They were looking for depth at shortstop. They still are. I think I read that Emmanuel Rivera says, hey, I played shortstop my whole life. I can play shortstop. They're looking for that shortstop depth, another reliever if they can get one. Um, adding a right-handed bat at a, what was it, a $2 million contract? $2 million contract. Man. One and a half this year and then a $500,000 buyout next uh, basically year. Basically, $2, $2 million. And this is what me and you talked about. You brought it up last week. Like these, Some of these guys are going to jump at jobs just to get a job. Because, hey, spring training started. I don't have a job. Like, I got to get one. Yeah. So, Randall Greetschick is one of those guys. Right-handed bat, you know, you figure about 25 30% of the at-bats as a DH will go to the to the right-hander. The majority of them will go to the left-hander. But it is interesting that they've got that combination now to where they feel like they've got another competent guy to match up when they're facing tougher left-handed pitchers. His numbers last year, and I know, you know, small sample size and all of that stuff. When Randall Gritchick faced a left-handed pitcher last year, he had a 995 OPS. He slugged over 600%, right? It hit him well. He he hit lefty, so you almost can see it's just going to be a straight. Now, Gritchick might play the outfield a little bit. He could certainly relieve some guys out there. He's he's far more fleet of foot in that regard than Jock Peterson is. And I saw his outfield splits last year. He played a lot of left. He certainly played a little center. He certainly played a little right. You can put him out there, and he's not going to embarrass you by any stretch. So he's not just a pure DH in that regard. But you can see a straight righty-lefty platoon at DH for the Arizona, or at least when it comes to those two being in the lineup because of just how dramatic 
dramatically different their numbers are. I'm sure Jock Peterson is going to try to be able to play against lefties. He said as much when he got introduced. I can't imagine Jock Peterson's going to be playing a whole lot against lefties, especially now with Gritchick on the roster. No, especially with his numbers against left-handed pitching, because Jock Peterson's not going to top those numbers against left-handed pitching. He's just not. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. So that's you know you're gonna you're gonna match up the D- the D-backs are very matchup oriented as a team. I I'm curious as to him as an outfielder now what that does to the mix because by bringing back Goriel and you know with Corbin Carroll there and Alec Thomas who's maybe the best defensive center fielder in baseball. I look at I look at a guy like Jake McCarthy. Like is Jake gonna be able to get at bats? Yeah, because the competition is pretty fierce. I like Jake um, as a player. I think he's a terrific outfielder and. Uh, but he's really going to have to have to have a good spring training to earn playing time. Talk, I want to talk about that in a second. This is Troy Lavello earlier today with Bickley and Murata as part of Newsmakers Week, talking about Randall Gritchick and how he's the perfect piece. With Randall coming in, um, it was a perfect piece, and he's going to complement this lineup. And we know that he's still recovering from that ankle injury. He's still in in the training room and slowly migrating out of the training room and getting some work in. But we've got to be very mindful of that. He'll be ready by opening day. We know that. But it's a quality right-handed bat that just just goes out there and competes really well at a very high level against left-handed pitching, and that's what we needed. Alex Weiner put this piece together for uh, ArizonaSports.com. If you assume 13 position players, okay, 13 position players, Moreno, Walker, Marte, Perdomo, Suarez, Carroll, Alec Thomas, Gurriel, Jack okay. Peterson, Randall Gritchick, and a backup catcher. Okay. That's 11. That's 11 of the 13 right there. So you've got two spots left for Kevin Newman, Emmanuel Rivera, uh, Jordan Lawler, Kevin Smith. Lawler's not going to start. Okay, up, yeah, I, I just I threw his name in there. Just, you know, just yeah. Jake McCarthy. Jake McCarthy. Um yeah, it, it, guys like that. Rivera, that's why Rivera's coming out like I could play shortstop. Exactly. I played it my whole life. And, and and you know, Rivera could could he be, could he back up at first base? Could he Paven Smith? Could he back up at first base? Because he can also play in the outfield. Suddenly, you're gonna start looking at those last few guys with like a, a, an extreme Who's prejudice versatile? towards positional versatility. Yeah. Who can give me Jace Peterson is another guy who, you know, a versatile guy who but Jake McCarthy has speed. I know. He gives you an element that those other guys don't give you, getting on base. He's another speed guy that really helps you in the lineup. Um, you know, like Paven Smith's a good left-handed bat. Emmanuel Rivera, he's okay. Um, like, he's okay. He's an okay baseball player. Uh, but man, that was he was that was part of the problem last year. Was third base was Rivera and Longo, Evan Longoria, and they didn't get anything out of it. I'd be surprised if Jake. Jake now, again, I think maybe it's really fair. The competition in the spring will determine who gets these spots. But man, I'd like to see Jake McCarthy get a spot because he's good. There was and it was a great story by Alex. I would encourage you to go read it at ArizonaSports.com because it really. I, I I read it and I thought, okay, they're done. There, there's there's nobody left to add. The the bulk of their positional players are done. The bulk of their roster is done. They might add an arm or two here or there for depth, but as far as their position players go, they've narrowed it down to where four or five guys are fighting for two spots. And that that and the battle for the fifth starter spot 
That's basically it, right? That Those are the two big competitions left in camp. Those are really the only two competitions left in camp. Who are going to get those last two positional player roster spots, and who's going to be the fifth starter for the team? Is it going to be Tommy Henry? Is it going to be Ryan Nelson? And then health, like, where's, you know, oh, where's, sure. where's Ginkle's in regard to health-wise? Having Seawold under contract for this this extra year was just just gold by, oh, boy, was it by Hazen right? to yeah. make, a, make a trade for a player that could close games for you and then be your closer for this following season. I did. I also, talking about going back to Gritchick for a second, uh, the idea of him and Jock Peterson platooning to basically be one designated hitter. It, it was a, yeah, give me the numbers. It was an interesting story on azsnakepit.com um, in which they tried to do their best to imagine what a DH platoon of Gritchick and Jock Peterson would combine for. They had big numbers too, didn't they? 35 home runs, Jeez. which would be fifth in baseball out of the DH position. 130 3.5 runs, which would be second, 101 RBI, which would be fifth, a 271 batting average, which would be sixth in Major League Baseball among designated hitters. And they went so far as to say, hey, look, you, you might be able to, you might have gotten J.D. Martinez, but instead of spending all that money on J.D., you spent it on two guys with these players, and it will save you millions. a few millions the few million dollars that it would right. have cost. Who, J.D. Martinez, still unsigned. Still unsigned because Scott Boris is his agent. Scott Boris. The Stockies. waiting game continues. Yeah. W- Sometimes guys lose. Sometimes you lose out. You get an offer like a, a month ago or two months ago, and you don't take it, and then they go sign somebody else. And then you're kind of like, you know, I know Scott Boris wins a lot of battles. He doesn't win every single one. Yeah, I'll see how many. It'll be curious to see how many he wins this year. I'm looking at you, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Lauren. You're right. I should have looped you into the conversation because as a Cubs fan, I read a story today. Craig Council's like, I don't know if it was Craig, but the Cubs organization was like, yeah, no, we're good. We're fine. We like the team we got. We're okay. Oh, it's bull. Come on. Don't. It's bull. It's 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 total baloney, right? It's just posturing. Do not even get me started on it. Our owner Ricketts came out and he compared the Cubs to the Diamondbacks. How? In what way? In saying basically, well, Chicago fans, you're okay. You're fine. But we didn't make the World Series. We're kind of like the Arizona Diamondbacks. And in no way would I compare Chicago sports and the money that goes into that to Phoenix sports. But the Steinbecks did make the World Series. I think what he's saying is is basically like they were just okay during the regular season, but they, they caught fire in the postseason. Exactly. They were good Look when it mattered the do. most. Look what we could do. You might not think we've got the best roster in the world, but you just wait till we get to the postseason. We'll set the world on fire, like the Diamondbacks did. Oh, that's what that's he's saying about the, the comp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he's saying about this team. Yeah. Okay. No, go sign Cody Bellinger. No. You've got the no. money. You're the Cubs. You've got the money. Go sign him. Oh, the staring contest continues. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, incomplete. That's what one top NBA analyst said about the Phoenix Suns over the weekend, that they are incomplete. Are they? And if so, what would make them complete? I mean, other than winning a championship this year, what would make them complete? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Continues on Tuesday. We'll cover a lot of ground. U of A football, ASU football.
Phoenix Mercury, Phoenix Open, Phoenix Rising FC, and Cactus League. I told you we're covering a lot starting at 6 here on Arizona Sports. We say this every uh, week this time of year, too. A major tip of the cap to Bickley, Murata, Jarrett, Sarah for all the work they do with Newsmakers Week. It is a tremendous undertaking, a tremendous accomplishment. Every single week we see the guest list, and it's, uh, it really yeah. is a who's who of local sports there to be commended because most of those interviews, within reason, are done in studio and coordinating all those people to come down in studio, especially some of them who just got humiliated over the weekend, I like think, Bobby Hurley or... Those by 45. Or, or, or Tourney, Andrew, Andre they lost Tourney. They in a row. Uh-huh, yeah, like those guys, I gotta go down and do a live radio. Yep. Remember, that, remember that Coyote social media tweet early in the season? Who's got a better chance of making the playoffs? The Coyotes or the Suns? Uh, I didn't age well. Didn't age well. It wasn't. It didn't age well the second they no, put it out there. Fair, fair. Like yeah. the Suns of Duran Booker. Like, like fair. you know. But they I, made a nice little run. They were competitive for a little while. But yes, yeah, somebody on their social media site. I give credit. Dumb enough to put out a tweet saying who's going to make the playoffs. Give credit Which one? to those guys for coming down here. In I studio, agree. Whether I agree. it's uh, Tourney or or Hurley in the midst of some bad bad times to come down and and answer that. So anyway, our our we'll say it a lot this week. But our kudos to the morning show. You really should listen to it all week. It's really good stuff. The Newsmakers Week. I, I was driving in early today. I was very compelled by it. We don't have this sound because um, I'm assuming it was a one-on-one done by Dwayne Rankin with Kenny Smith because I haven't seen it anywhere out there. But he went up and asked the TNT NBA analyst about the Phoenix Suns. And this is the quote. And I'm going to give you the full quote and we'll talk about it. Quote, I used to have a lot of these in college. Incompletes, a laughing Smith said last week. I'd start the class then drop it. So I had a couple of those, man. I think this is an incomplete situation when talking about the Suns because we've seen them play together, but we haven't seen them tested. I'm not really sure when they're tested, what they're going to do defensively and what they're going to do offensively yet. I just look at them as an incomplete grade. That's a team you have to pay attention to in the second half of the season. Kevin Durant always gives you a chance regardless of where he's been. We're not even talking about Booker and Beal. We're just talking about Kevin Durant in generality. The greatest incomplete man they've got to come to more classes close quote i disagree okay wholeheartedly with that 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 statement right there okay tell us why because they played enough games together the big three they've played enough games so you know you you don't need a hundred games of them together you don't need 50 games you just you don't want three you don't want five you don't want nine I think when you start to look at the amount of games that they played together, I think you can come to an, a, you know, you should be able to come to a conclusion. I don't think you need to give an incomplete. An incomplete to me is if they haven't played together or if they've only played two games together. Then if you want to give an incomplete, I buy it. But I'm not buying an incomplete when Beal, Booker, and Duran have played a decent amount of games together. Uh, I respect your opinion. Um, I, and this is, I think, what makes us, what makes our show fun to listen to because I think we're different. I don't have a problem with what Kenny Smith said. 22 games together. Uh, but that's the that's not the point. I don't have a problem with what Kenny Smith said because I would say to you, who have they beat? Who have they beat that blows you away? Who have they beat that makes you go, oh, wow, this is legit? Um, they, beat they beat Milwaukee without some of their guys. Milwaukee's struggling right they now. They beat Dallas once. They did beat Dallas. They beat Minnesota early on in the season. Own, well, they beat Sacramento beat the Sacramento last two times, times they played them. I think that's kind of a good matchup for them. They beat New Orleans once. I feel like they're incomplete because I want to see how they match up against the best. I want to see how they... And, and until 
I see how they this have works the Clippers. against. They have. Okay. Who have they beat? Okay, who, but, who have they beat? Okay, but, but, okay. Where, who, who are their not, best you wins? Don't have, you're, you're looking for a reason to give somebody an A. You could give them a C or a D or a B. They've played the Clippers a couple times. The Clippers have owned their ass. Well, okay, if you're to put it that way, then I would say I'd give them a C. But I, I think that my, if you're going to say to me, can the Suns win an NBA championship this year? My answer would be maybe. I need to see more. I okay. need to see how they play against the better teams before. And so to me, it's, it's we're splitting hairs. Like, do I need to give them a letter grade or can I say they're incomplete? Because to me, when they haven't, when they haven't stacked a lot of signature wins on top of each other, that to me is the definition of an. See, I think team. that I think that you still can ace the final and get an A, you know. But right now, you you judge them for what you think they are, and there are games against the Clippers in which the Clippers have clearly been the better team. Clearly, and so I don't need an incomplete to look at those games. The Clip right now, who's a better basketball team? The Clippers or the Suns? The Clippers. The Clippers. Are. I don't need. I don't have an incomplete on that. To me, it's the Clippers are better. But that was also, but but you you talked about enough games together when they played the Clippers. That was back when this team was still forming. That's back when this team was still trying to figure out who they were. Hell, I think Kevin Durant didn't even play one of those games against the LA Clippers. It was still very much in the early part of the big three and who they are. I would love to see how the Suns play against the Clippers now, because now I think you'd get a far more true version of what that matchup would look like as opposed to when they met a month ago and in one game Suns didn't have Kevin Durant the second one they just barely got him back I, I just I, I don't have a problem with what Kenny Smith said yeah I agree with you there have been plenty of games they've played together but it's it's not a quantity thing it's a quality thing for me I I, I don't I want to see if they can win a championship or not and based off the teams they've beat up until this point I don't feel like we have an answer to that question yeah. yet. But I will say it's almost like you just you need three you need to see the Suns play well against three teams in order to give them a grade. Boston, Denver, the Clippers. Uh Boston, Denver, the Clippers. Uh maybe even Oklahoma City I might put okay. in there. I don't know if I'd put them in there as much. Okay. Probably those three. Boston Denver and the Clippers are the three teams that I really want to see how they play. I mean, if, if you're going to put a proverbial gun in my head and make me give them a grade, I'd probably give them a B- up until this okay. point. A B? And that's probably what I'd probably, I'd probably give them a B. They've got 14 wins and eight losses when Beal, Booker, and Durant have played together. 14 wins, eight losses. It's good. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. It's really good. Six games over five hundred and twenty, you know, fourteen and eight. That's and pretty good. Again, not to not to quibble with your results here or anything. As far as signature wins within those fourteen, there's not a ton. You know, there's a few. There's a couple. I'll give you that, but but not there's, not among the elite teams that go. Because I guarantee you. Suns are on national TV, and they're playing the Denver Nuggets, and it's full strength versus full strength. The Suns win that game. Oh, you just wait until the postgame shows then, right? Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, they're legit. They're here. They've arrived. And if they don't beat those teams with their full strength, it's just going to feed the notion that they're not as good as those teams are. And I just want to see them do well against those teams. I wonder who their best win of the season has been against. Um, I think it's Minnesota. You think it was the Minnesota I game? Probably, but it, I mean, even that game was. Let me, and that one was a long because they went time ago. Yeah, that was November fifteenth. They beat them one thirty three to one fifteen on no, so the middle of November. The season was two weeks old. Durant played. Booker played. Beal was hurt. Booking 
KD each went for 31 points. Eric Gordon had 15. Grayson Allen had 14. Was everybody playing for Minnesota in that game? Uh, let's see. Gobert was playing. Cat was playing. Anthony Edwards was okay. playing. Conley was playing. Yeah, everybody Conley was playing just for got him. a two-year extension, I think. I think Conley got a did Conley get a two year. I think Conley got an extension with the T Wolves. Um, the Dallas, like even the more recent Dallas win, Kyrie didn't play. Kyrie didn't play in that game, so that's a that's a that's a hard one to judge. The last time they played the Clippers was January eighth, so that was a month and a half ago mm-hmm. when they played them, and they got worked in that they game. Durant, Beal, and Booker all played. Durant thirty five minutes, Beal thirty five, Booker thirty four. And that was in L.A., and they got worked pretty good and, in and that, that game. And that was one of the very first games in which all three of them were together. That was really early on in yeah. the stretch, you know? I get Look, I get what you're saying. I do, and I don't entirely disagree with it. I just think you're looking at it from a quantity standpoint. I'm looking at it from a quality standpoint. And that's the difference, you know, because I don't think the quality has been there yet for the Suns in terms of who Even they when they played Miami, they didn't have Jimmy Butler in that game. Yep. So there are a lot of games that are hard. Even Indiana, they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton. They didn't have Tyrese Halliburton. For both of the games, yep. when they played Indiana, right. they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton. So that makes things very, very different. Uh, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we turn our attention to the Arizona Cardinals. Do we think in any way, shape, or form that they've arrived or that they're close or that they're about to be a playoff contender because one national website says, nope, not yet. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Luke. The Phoenix Suns playoff push gets underway on Thursday, so what seed can they reach in these next 27 games? We get going tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. John Gambadero, Dave Burns here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Happy Tuesday to you. If you had a three-day weekend, great. Welcome back to work. If you didn't, sorry. It's, it's still Tuesday either way. We were blessed enough to have yesterday off. At least some of us were. So My wife had to work yesterday. Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh, wow. She had to work. Slave driver. Three-day weekend. <laughs> you got to work. Sat at home, watched soap operas all day. Is what you did? Yeah. No, I don't. Not really. No. <sighs> I was kidding. Took uh, Q was off. We went out to lunch. Actually, she came with us. She took time. She works from home, so uh, just, just, yeah. she came from that yeah. uh, Well, where whatever it is that you did yesterday, whether you had to work or not, uh, happy Tuesday to you. Thanks for hanging out with us here on ESPN.com. Uh, and I, I will admit, this was one of those very clickable links um, that you just kind of want to see, hey, where's my team? What, what do they say about my team? At the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's, it's more of a list than anything else, but it's still very clickable content ESPN.com NFL overall heat tiers all 32 teams from contenders to rebuilds and basically they took every single team in the NFL and they put you in a tier a category and among some of the categories still major contenders need a postseason breakthrough teetering contenders headed on the right track stuck in the middle but a move or two away Stuck in quarterback purgatory. And this is where you get into where you would expect to see the Cardinals. These ones. This could go either way. New coach, new direction. Okay, you wouldn't see the Cardinals there. (laughs) Rebuild in the works. Or, yep, still rebuilding. The Arizona Cardinals were in the, yep, still rebuilding tier. One of only three teams that were in that tier. 
So there were only three teams. It was um, the, the I'm just calling it up right now because the I had to Bears put a and the Giants. In. The Bears and the Giants. So it was the Cardinals four and thirteen. The Bears seven and ten. The Giants six and eleven. Those were the three teams that were in that tier. Uh, yep, still rebuilding. Just those three. Not a, you know, and that was a little surprising to me because I think if we're being honest, man, there's probably a lot of teams that are still in that category. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. I'm just trying to think about who, off the top of my head, what the New England Patriots are. Yep, still rebuilding. Or oh are my they, God, uh, yes. but, but they've got a new coach, so they they go to the they go into the different category of new coach, new direction, right? Okay, so I'm trying to think who else. Tennessee. So that would put the Chargers in there. That yeah. would put the Raiders in there. Right. Basically, any team that got a new coach. Just automatically gets put into a different tier, right? Because they got a brand new. I mean, of course, all those teams are still rebuilding, but they get that's like a pass. But they get a an extra exemption because they've got a new coach. If it were me, I probably would have put them in the rebuild in the works category, not because of the record and not even because of the roster. But because of the way they played in every single one of those games suggests to me that if they do the right job in free agency, yeah. if they add a volume of players who can come in and help, and if they kill the drafts, that the Arizona Cardinals, I'll still believe this, could be a team that's a 500 football team in December. Now, and if they're that, they're, they're a potential playoff team. Would you rather be in the category they're in or in the stuck-in-quarterback purgatory? Um, you could be in, you could be stuck in quarterback purgatory, or you could be in the yep, still rebuilding. True. I think I would rather be. I think I would rather be in the yep, still rebuilding because I think if you're stuck in quarterback know, purgatory, you're you're damned. You're 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 just doomed. And and they've got Atlanta, the Broncos. The Patriots, the Steelers, the Commanders in that category of stuck in quarterback purgatory. I think there's a lot more teams than that that are stuck in quarterback purgatory. You've got to figure it out. But, man, that's like that is the one place I think you just never want to be as a, as a team. No. It, Not knowing what you have at quarterback. No, and those teams will, you know, when free agency opens, those teams will, how do they address being stuck in quarterback purgatory? Is there anybody... I took a look at the the guys who might be available as free agent quarterbacks this offseason. It's a it's a terrible list. It's like Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson if he gets cut. You could trade Justin for Justin Fields, Fields if you trade for him, you know. You could trade for him, but how many of those like outside of Drew Brees who got traded because they had they had Philip Rivers that they had just drafted? How many really good quarterbacks end up getting traded to a team? Very few. I mean, even Russell I mean, Wilson, you could put in the category of he got traded and he wasn't very good. When no, he got like to they Denver. knew they like knew Seattle to get knew off exactly of him. Exactly what they were doing. They knew. Yep. Now there are some older quarterbacks that got traded. Carson Palmer got traded to the Cardinals. Sure. It worked out. It was a short term thing because he was an older quarterback. That worked out. They made it to the NFC um, Championship game with Carson Palmer. So every once in a while, you get one of those trades with an older guy that brings you something. But for a younger guy, like, is trading for Justin Fields going to take a team? Okay, we're a contender now. We got Justin Fields. I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're looking for Lauren. I, I just looked at Lauren, who's like, I don't know. I, want, I mean, I don't. I, I want would them think to not. keep him. No, because I, would, I think if you're the Bears and you're getting off of Jason J- Justin Fields, you're getting off him because you don't want to pay him. Mm-hmm. You're getting off him because you know what? We we got to make a decision. If we're keeping him, we're going to have to pay him thirty million a year, guaranteed two hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred million. Yep. We don't want to keep him. That usually nobody gets rid of a good quarterback. Yeah. Well, even the Cardinals when they kept Kyler Murray, even then they weren't quite sure what they were getting when they were. And I think that's why they built in all those stupid clauses and everything, all the bells and whistles with the homework clause and things like that two years ago when they re-signed Kyler. I mean, another guy who comes to mind is somebody who kind of worked initially, wasn't a trade, I think it was a free agent signing, was Ryan Tannehill. When he went from the Dolphins to the Titans. Yeah. That worked the first couple of years. He he was kind of reborn in Tennessee and was a good quarterback and led them to a lot of wins when he was the quarterback yeah, he, there. He gave them some stability. Yeah. And they, I don't think he was going to take him to a Super Bowl, but he was good enough. If you built a good team around him, he could yeah. have success. But for every Ryan Tannehill, there's five guys who switched teams, ten guys who switched teams and didn't work at all. They weren't very good. Um, I, I mean, are the Cardinals, are we sure the Cardinals aren't in quarterback purgatory. And what I mean by that, they're not in it now, but is it hard to envision them being in it a year from now? It's not for me. If, if Kyler Murray's just... I'd agree with you. If he's just okay this year, you know, a full year of being healthy, a full year being in the system, and it's just, yeah, yeah he's good. I, I think the Cardinals are in quarterback purgatory a year from now. I think it's, a, I think it's really fair. I think what Kyler Murray did in coming back this year... Is that he bought himself another year to be evaluated. Amen. I don't Amen. think there's anything. I don't think he solidified himself as the quarterback of the future for the next five years. Jonathan Gannon saying, that's my guy, number one's my guy, like all of that stuff. That's now, now go out in a full year yep. and prove that you're a franchise quarterback. If you do that, that's great. If you don't, then they'll be looking for a quarterback. Yeah, and it's a whole lot easier to – I haven't looked at exactly the numbers. I'm assuming next year it's a little bit easier to move off Kyler Murray financially if you wanted to as opposed to the awful dead cap hit you would get from moving on from him now. I don't know that for sure, but I think it gets a lot easier a year from now if they want it. So we'll see. Maybe the, maybe the Cardinals are in a different situation a year from now, good or bad, when it comes to their quarterback. NASCAR returns to Phoenix Raceway March 9th through the 11th for the Shriners. Children's 500. Get yourself ready for a thrilling experience as NASCAR heads west as drivers like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott take on the Desert Jewel. For your chance to experience this, head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets. We're going to take a spin through the top stories of the day. Lauren is standing by with the 4 o'clock reset, and that is coming up next here on Burns and Gambo.